not happened for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, and this is episode 48 of the podcast, and we're knocking them out of the park now. We're on a roll, and I think it's going to be a few podcasts on the run over the next sort of month or two, because my calendar is absolutely rammed to the gunnels with events now. They're all sort of back and running. Uh, after the Christmas holiday and things like that. So uh, there's this one that we're going to be talking about uh, during this podcast, which is the Grandest Tournament, um, which is uh, basically just a, a kind of practice warm-up for uh, the Warhammer World GT, which had uh, has limited numbers this year um, because of uh, COVID and all that. Um, so uh, that's exciting. So we've got this one. Uh, then a couple of weeks' times, we've got the uh, Gathering of Grey Havens in Preston. Uh, and then in a, a couple of weeks after that, there's the Scouring of Cheshire. So, uh, you know... No, actually, this this sort of third of the year or this quarter of the year probably um, is going to be a little bit busier perhaps than usual, which is really exciting. And we also have uh, the Slow Grow League that I've been running on uh, during the uh, the last sort of couple of weeks, which will uh, have a have a sort of point of uh, in the next few weeks as well. So that's really exciting. We'll get a podcast out about that uh, probably in the half term or after that. And also exciting news: um, I'm heading off to Ireland. Uh, in coming weeks, which is probably the most exciting thing that's happened to me in a long time. Um, That's just in the week sort of uh, after um, a week of Easter, so the first month of April, first week of April, yeah, first uh, weekend of April, which is going to be awesome. I'm really, really excited about that one. I'm heading off to Ireland to play in the Irish, uh, one of the Irish tournaments, which is um, brilliant because I know a few people have been emailing about uh, getting me over to their various countries. So I'm going to start little, uh, start small um, in terms of travel distance, um, and then we'll see what happens after that. Maybe we can make it uh, an annual thing that I make a trip somewhere and play toy soldiers there. Um, but with all that in mind, there's lots of bits going on. I know you've been in contact about the Riddle in the Dark and talking about the Easterlings last time. I was talking about the new heroes, which is really exciting because there's a few, a couple that have been announced. Uh, still no confirmation of when or, or where we will see these uh, Eastling heroes for the first time or profiles. Um, but of course, um, I'll be following that uh, news with uh, much anticipation and excitement because I'd imagine it's going to be at the Grand Tournament um, in Warhammer World that I alluded to earlier, which will be in uh, a couple of weeks' time. So uh, we shall see We shall see uh, whether we see new things, and if we do, I'll definitely get some talking about it um, on uh, my YouTube channel and on the podcast, of course, as well. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we're heading off to the Grandest Tournament, which is a good versus evil tournament, uh, 700 points. Um, almost forgot it there. Um, and this is very exciting because you have to take two two armies, just like the Grand Tournament uh, at Warhammer World, and you have to basically uh, f- pl- uh, build your army list with the knowledge that you're going to be facing good or evil uh, lists. Um, so it's, yeah, good versus evil, proper kind of traditional format. So without much further ado, let's get building the armies. So, 
I'm going to start with my Eastlings because um, I'm going to rattle through these guys because at 700 points, I, I, it's kind of one of the lists that I've probably done a lot recently um, or, or something very similar anyway. Um, and I think I'm going to give it this last go because obviously new characters are going to come along so I'm probably going to have a bit of a bash with them um, once they come out but I don't know when they're going to come out it could be ages away, it could be weeks, it could be months um, so I'm going to give them a rest after this until they come out and uh, have a bit of a tinkle with them until um, until those do but uh, let's just run through what I've got for the Eastlings this time and hopefully we'll be able to see whether for once and for all we'll be able to get at least two out of my three games won uh, with the Easterlings. But, um, you know, we shall see, we shall see. Um, so, with that in mind, here we go. We've got uh, Kamul on Felbeast, who is 170 points. He's the leader. He's got the killing power. Um, he has the magic. Um, but, of course, he's not particularly good at both. He's just sort of in the average there. And he's also not particularly durable. So, he's kind of all round, not, he's you know, master of all trades, jack of none, or whatever they phrases uh then we've got three uh eastlings with shield two with pike and shield uh one with a banner pike and shield three with black dragon uh upgrade and pike and shield and two dragon cult acolytes uh so you've got a nice mix we've got a nine person block uh with the fight four at the back and we've got the acolytes to poke out essentially then uh in a similar vein we've got amda on the armored horse and um, never taken without the horse I don't think um, 145 points then we've got three warriors with shield three warriors with pike and shield and three black dragons with pike and shield so again nice little block um, and then two dragon cult acolytes with them and uh, a black dragon cataphract with a war drum so we've got the another little blo- pike block so we're leaning heavily into the pike block now um, I did toy with bows but I, I kind of dropped them because I thought, well, let's just stick with the pipe block, see what happens. Then, um, and also because good armies, let's think think carefully about this, good armies perhaps more likely to have good shooting. Um, so I thought the bows, yes, they'd be useful, but are they going to be as useful um, at sort of bringing the opponent towards me? Maybe not, maybe, I don't know. Uh, acolytes I've, I've gone for um, instead of that. So um, that's uh, another solid warband. Nice, warband's not likely to be picked off um, or sort of stranded if they're on their own, which is nice. Then we've got a war priest with a warrior with shield, three warriors with pike and shield, and just two dragon cult acolytes. So um, that's six. I can take 12 in that warband. So I probably, probably should balance it out in some way. Um, but I just couldn't quite work out a way to make this better and also spend the points because if i'd have given they're taken away a pike to give another guy a shield i mean it doesn't really matter because they're pikes aren't they so they can kind of support in whatever way they want but i guess you have a warrior at the front with uh, a shield then you have a pike behind him then another warrior with a pike behind him then a priest in the middle and then two acolytes kind of kicking around and so there you go that's what we've got we've got 32 models we've got 16 for the break we've got six might just six might but of course we do have the uh amders um blood and glory special rule and we've got the uh war priest's ability to help with the killing um and we've got six throwing weapons so no bows in that one i uh, i think this is kind of becoming my go-to kind of roughly way of assembling these slings and i don't know whether that's the right thing or not um but i've been getting a bit more success in the past i think perhaps 700 is a little too cheap 
or a little too low perhaps for the two big heroes maybe i'll regret that um, because 32 models is a bit low um if you sort of operating on the one model per 20 points um sort of algorithm that many people have uh, talked about over the years to keep your numbers high enough but it's got enough numbers they're high enough defense and you've got two big hitters in there uh, as well as the war priest who can make amda particularly potent so that's pretty cool so let's let's try something different let's let's do something which isn't easterlings and this is a bit of a teaser towards um, my uh, slow grow league list, um, which I uh, alluded to at the start of the podcast. This is Paths of the Druidon. Now, you may, if you're a fan of the uh, YouTube channel Battle Games in Middle Earth, my YouTube channel, um, I spoke about this a long time ago as being what I think is actually potentially a very good army list. Um, I spoke at length about kind of the 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 woes is and the special bonus that you get for this list which is um you get these three markers these waypoints they're called which you can scatter around the map and um essentially your cavalry um ignore any kind of downside for difficult terrain um when within uh, six inches of that uh, marker so you whack the marker in some woodland in some gravel or whatever it is that would usually be used against you for uh for your horses and you can just run through it um and it really catches your opponents um off guard so that's really cool also but i think this is probably the bigger thing depending on the uh, the board um you get a essentially an elven blade for heroic move-offs so uh you basically win heroic move-offs on a three four five or six which, of course, anyone who's played cavalry um, will know how important that move-off is. Certainly, once you've committed, you've charged in, you call that move-off, and then you want to be able to um, keep that momentum going and keep your charge bonuses and things like that. So um, that's what we've got. <clears throat> we've got a little bonus for that. So with that in mind, uh, let's run through the list. So you have to take Theoden, um, and it, all of the uh, Rohan heroes have to be mounted and you also have to take Ganberry Gan and a full warband of 15 Woeses so uh, with that in mind Theoden who's the army leader um, has his armoured horse armour and shield um, he's 100 points you have a rider of Rohan with banner more on that in a minute um, four royal guard with throwing spears and four, uh, sorry, one normal royal guard with no throwing spears, and that's just for points. Actually, I'd probably prefer to have him with the uh, throwing spears. Um, so the Rohan warrior with banner, the rider Rohan with banner. Um, I probably should put a royal guard with banner, but I thought I thought that um, having a royal guard with banner would ruin the uh, the kind of points. Um, invested in the Royal Guard, you want that fight five guy who can actually hit in combat because when he charges, obviously he gets fight five near Theoden, um, which is really cool. And I thought, well, if I give the Royal Guard, who is of course more durable, um, you give him the ban and also give him run away and all that, and not not sort of fail his courage test as often. But I thought, well, I don't really want to spend all that money on a Royal Guard and um, who has, you know all this extra stuff and actually you still get minus one to the fight so um yeah i, I thought maybe a, a rohan a rider rohan with banner would be the best choice and of course there's a conspicuous absence there am i going to need that if i've got gambling we'll find out in a few minutes time so uh, then we've got one ganbury gan and 15 woeses so this is the the tax for the army essentially you get 200 points sunk into woeses if you don't know what woeses are, these don't come often, up, uh, very often. So um, I'll just run through them. Essentially what they are is they're men 
Um, they're, they're kind of men which they don't have armour, so they're only defence three or four. I can't remember which. Um, Gambarigan is definitely defence four and strength four. So, yeah, it must be defence three for the Wozers. Um, they're armed with blowpipes, so they have 12-inch range blowpipes, hitting on threes, and they're re-rolling ones to wound because they're poisoned. Um, so they're pretty good. And blowpipes, you can move and shoot just like a bow, um, so they are pretty good for that. Um, and they have spears, so there's there's that. They've always got spears. And they also, crucially, have hatred of orcs, goblins, and urukai. So despite that strength three, um, they're, wound, they're sort of often wounding orcs, goblins, uh, urukai on five pluses um, at the absolute minimum, which is amazing, amazing stuff um, for strength three um, cheap warriors at nine points a pop. They also have the stalk and scene rule, and Ganburigan has all of those rules, plus three points of might, a will of fate, and two wounds at defense four. So again... Um, not particularly strong, but 65 points for three points of might in an army like this is an absolute bargain. Um, I, I also forgot to mention another uh, army bonus is that, that the whole army gets to re-roll ones to wound orcs, goblins, and urukai. So uh, essentially you're getting the, the Ganburigan hate hate the orc folk um, sort of spread across the whole army, which is great because you don't get the uh, charge bonus for um, strength. The, royal, the, the sort of Rohan army bonus is... You get plus one strength on the charge. You don't get that. You just get this uh, this special reroll, which is which is good as long as you're facing those armies. Um, so yeah, you, a bit of a downside, but a bit of an upside. So yeah, uh, it, it, it's unusual. It's unusual. Anyway, let's carry on going um, because I want to uh, delve into the rest of the army. We've got Deowine mounted. Now, if you haven't encountered him, he's essentially a fancy royal guard. He's got three points of might. He's fight five. He's got five. Uh, uh, a heroic strike and I think he has march um, so he's actually a really good hero he's got lots of might 85 points on his horse which is which feels very good value for someone with two attacks obviously three in the charge and he has this really cool special rule um, which is he gets to call a free heroic combat if Theoden is in combat within 12 inches so that's really good. Um, there have been some FAQs clarifying exactly what happens in certain situations in this one. And so if, if uh, Deowine and Theoden are in combat together, Deowine can't call the heroic combat and get the free one to move them both on. And also Deowine has to end either as close as possible to Theoden, or, uh, i.e. touching him, or in the same combat as Theoden. Um, if that's not possible, say you've got Theoden boxed in, he can still move to the closest uh, combat, but that's it's going to be hard to not um, be touching Theoden. But either way, free heroic combat, um, obviously not. he's not the only hero in the list. Um, we've got other people we can uh, launch off and do exciting things. So uh, with Deowine, who I like the sound of, and I really enjoy painting up my model of him, um, we've got three riders of Rohan, no throwing spears there, and two royal guard with throwing spears so um not a massive warband but um a solid group of riders with some bows which of course are very useful um and the throwing spears again a nice harassing the enemy kind of uh warband final warband uh we've got Elfhelm mounted um Elfhelm is the uh, one with the throwing spears he's slightly lower defense than Darewine um still has the same might and stuff um, he doesn't have strike, he has heroic accuracy, and he can also, uh, or he must also, re-roll his hits, wound rolls, and in-the-way rolls um, for his throwing spear. So actually, 
he's pretty likely to kill something um, with his spear on the on the way in. He hits on a three as well, so um, pretty cool. And along with him, we've got three riders of Rohan. Uh, so more bows. So in total, we've got six bows from the riders of Rohan. Fif- 16, sorry. Uh, 16 um, blowpipes, including Ganburigan. We've got six throwing spears. Oh no, sorry, we've got seven bows because we've got the one with a banner as well. So seven bows, 16 uh, blowpipes and six throwing spears, which is pretty, pretty deadly. Um, Not necessarily all all at a long distance, but get within eight inches and my God, are we going to cause some damage because the Wozers are re-rolling all their wounds. Their wounds of one, they're hitting on threes. The Royal Guard are defence, sorry, strength three throwing spears. And then we've got the bows as well to harass you at a distance. So, and obviously it's not going to outshoot something like a Harad gunline or Corsairs, but there's enough there that certainly at a short distance you, you know, you'd be considering, considering just sort of hovering around and shooting an enemy, which is cool. Um, 33 models in the army so you know more than the Easterlings but of course 16 of those are the the Woses including Gan so there's a there's a definitely a brittle centre to the army but of course you just don't charge them in willy nilly hold them back do some blow piping let the Royal Guard and the cavalry all charge in because let's be honest if you've got 17 cavalry charging um, even sort of ten cavalry charging, you're not often going to get all the all of them into combat first turn anyway. So you're doing hoping that your riders are going to do most of the work. Um, alongside that, we've got twelve points of might, which is absolutely outstanding, and we're winning more heroic move offs than we're losing. So I really like this, especially in a good versus evil setting. Um, and I know Jay Clare um, won a uh, the Scottish tournament, um, Sterling, and his good list for that was Paths of Druin. I actually don't know um, what exactly was in his list, um, but um, I know he had the the, the Wozers and Thairdon, obviously, but I don't know the rest of the combinations. But um, originally I thought uh, gambling is the way to go forward with this, but I don't think it is. And here's why. Um, first of all, gambling's banner is obviously very good, um, but... Ganberry Gan doesn't get a, a bonus from the, the banner. And Ganberry Gan is probably the one who I'm going to be using to call heroic moves early on because he doesn't strike and he's not going to be in combat as much as everyone else. So he's going to be the person to run out of might first, probably. Um, I mean, obviously, there'll be exceptions to that, but generally, that's the case. And um, and I thought, well, Thairdon, you know, you don't really want to be spending all your might um, on Thairdon early on just to get it back from gambling. So, yeah, you'd probably be spending gambling's might. Um, and I don't know. I, I kind of prefer to use Ganbury Gan's might than gambling's might um, for heroic moves because gambling, you know, you want to protect your big banner and, and he is probably more likely to be near the combat and things like that. So that's the first reason. Secondly... <clears throat> I've, I've, I really wanted to include Dale Wine in the list because I think he's pretty cool. I like the free heroic combat um, and I like the model, particularly. It's a gorgeous model. Um, it took a bit of assembly, I must say, and so, so did Elfham, a bit of a nightmare actually. Um, but I really, really, really love the model and I've wanted to build it for a long time. So uh, I thought, right, this is my chance, I'm going to do it. And I want to include him. And if Deowine's in the army, and Ganbury Gan's in the army, so Gan's doing the moves, and Deowine's getting a lot of free heroic combats, so he's not going to be spending his might as often as you perhaps normally would. So I kind of came to this conclusion that, actually, 
I'm not convinced I'm going to run out of might very often in this army, and therefore, am I going to get as much value out of the banner? Um, so I kind of I open this up to my uh, patrons. Um, the if you're a patron or uh, considering becoming one, we've got a little Facebook group, a Patreon Facebook group, which um. Uh, I often sort of ask questions of folk um, and I post little other updates and people start sharing their images and uh, all that of uh, their paintwork. So uh, if you're keen on that, then uh, consider being a patron. But um, in that, I did a poll because I wasn't 100% sure of my decision. And what I said, uh, I what could I include in the, the Pass of the Druid and Legion, which already had Third and Gan, Day One and 30 models. I asked, do you want? Do you think I should had, add Elfhelm um, with the Riders, um, Aemir, or just loads and loads of um, loads and loads of extra riders in the first two warbands, and people decided that Elfhelm would be a good bet. So I already had a kind of con- conclusion that I probably wanted to have Elfhelm, Deowine, Gan, and Fed, and and then you just I just don't think you're going to run out of might. So I I could have swapped Elfhelm for Gambling. I could have swapped Deowine for Gambling not convinced that it's worth it i'm really interested in your opinions on this though um do get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think i should include the banner of magical might um and therefore ga- uh, uh, therefore uh, gambling he's 100 and something points day one's 85 so you're getting an extra you know 30 points extra stuff then of course you're spending more on the banner so uh the rider of Rohan who has to have the banner so i don't know I, I think I think I've gone with the right way, and I suppose we'll find out over the course of the podcast um, whether or not um, I feel like I need the banner, or if I run out of might ever uh, during the tournament. We'll find out later on. Uh, but let me know what you think. Thirty-three models, twelve points of might, Deowine, Elfhelm, Third, and Gan, and uh, all those little cool bonuses, especially against uh, evil people, which I'm really looking forward to. That fingers crossed, I don't just play corsairs and uh, harad and actually come up against a few orcs, goblins, and urukai. That would make my day so with that in mind uh, let's move on uh, we're going to go on an adventure later on but first it's time for the dark. yes that's right it's the time of the podcast where we guess who speaks next and what they say in a clip from the movie so um we also uh, delve into the email inbox and see what people have been saying. Um, so we try and guess the answer to the clip, uh, which goes something like this, which was from the last episode, which wasn't all that long ago, but it sounds a little like this. Yeah, okay, okay. So um, let's delve into the inbox. First, it's Tom Hawker. Hi, Harry. Been a while since I've had a chance to sit and listen. Uh, so catching up. I believe the next person to speak is dot, 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 after they are captured by someone um, and say, duh, 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 duh. Looking forward to the new Easterlings. You're correct, Sam. Well, uh, sorry, Sam. Uh, Tom. You're correct, Tom. Um, Looking forward to the new Easterlings. Been an Easterling fan since I first picked up the game. My goal is now to amend my minus 50 VP difference at Stockport last time I used them. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I feel like I might have beaten you in that tournament, Tom. Um, I think Michael Haskell and I were playing doubles against you, unless it was a completely different one, in which case you really need to sort out your Easterling playing. So do I. Uh, we'll find out if we can amend that for me in the uh, course of the episode. Uh, he, he says, keep up the great work. Listen to the podcast while painting is great motivation. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks, Tom. And a well done on the Riddle in the Dark. I'm pretty sure you got it right. Um, let's find out in a second. 
Now, Dan Slobodian's been in touch. Hi, Harry. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Oh, that's good. I love it when people say that. Do uh, drop me an email, even if you only just uh, um, join the podcast. There's lots of people listening. I know. I can re- I can li- hear the... Uh, uh, sorry, look at the analytics. Um, so do get in touch. I know that you're listening. Um, so long-time listener, first-time emailer. I usually listen while driving and generally forget to email by the time I've got to work slash home. But as I've literally just heard the next riddle as I park, I thought I'd email now before I forget again. I hope you didn't, weren't late for work, Dan. Um, I'm currently sat in the car in my work car park, so this is a complete stab in the dark. But I figure, as this episode is all about Eastlings, it'll be something to do with them or maybe the forces of East uh, of the East in general. The only scenes I could think of were Frodo and Sam pretending to be a rock or the ranger ambush. Mm. And then you get it completely right. So well done, Dan. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to the rest of the episode, especially as it features fellow drawn combat Dan. There are three of us. Yes, there are. Um, they're not three Dans, are there? I think there's two Dans. Um, but yes, uh, we had Dan uh, Stewart from the uh, podcast. Stewart? Yeah, I think it was Stuart. Um, from the uh, podcast last time talking about Easterlings. And uh, we had a little bit of a game to try and um, work out who uh, could make up the best of the lists. Um, so Dan and the... Um, fellow drawn combat blog uh, uh fellow drawn combat dan um great great lads and great articles um although i think it might be a bit quiet on the blog at the moment so um do have a look back though there's lots of great stuff in there so dan you are absolutely correct well done let's go to ivo bulk dear harry uh thankfully this riddle was way easier than the previous one the answer is dot 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 who after panting for a bit says it's me it's your sam don't you know your sam it's me. It's your Sam. Don't you know your Sam? It's not that. You might have the answer right, but it's not the right quote. Uh, Ivo, uh, you, you've you been very confident there. It was way easier than the previous one. But then you've you've scuppered it at the last moment. But you do say, as always, thanks for an enjoyable podcast. So I'll let you off. Uh, thanks, Ivo. Uh, Adam Cyrus, Sirens uh, has been in touch. Adam says, hi, Harry. I can't believe I'm going to see this, but I'd argue your list was the pick of the three. This is uh, Dan. We're talking about Dan uh, and the list challenge he submitted uh, in the last podcast. Do check it out if you missed that one. Dan's Dragon Knight with Amda at low points in the third list is scary for the opponent's heroes. Though with 26 models, I'd say it's a tad low. That was uh, 20, 26 models at 500 points, which I think is probably all right. But um, uh, I got taught a lesson on list building at a low points tournament, bringing Dane on Pig, a goat, and 16 warriors. The board size just doesn't scale in SBG, so you need more models for the board control at lower points. Now, that's interesting. I know uh, the saying is an average of 20 points per model, which I said earlier. But for me, it's not a linear curve, says Adam. Um, so that's interesting. That is really interesting. Um, I, I love your uh, analysis there. Um, that yeah, you need more. You still need the same amount of board control at low points as you do at um, uh, higher points, which is completely true because you probably play in a four by four no matter what. So five hundred points, you're still going to need a lot of models. That's interesting. Really good point, Adam. Probably um, scuppered me there in terms of um, strategy, but hopefully that's a learning point for me and others. Um, Regarding the rules editing, so we were talking about the um, the sort of potential upgrades that we'd like to see in the new Easterling book. Um, regarding rules editing, I think the Black Dragon upgrade shouldn't be only a point, as it would be almost a no-brainer. Uh, I think that was one of the things we considered, because the Black Dragon upgrade is just too expensive for giving you fight for and courage for across the army. I don't know. Um, Maybe you're right, maybe you're right, I don't know. Um, I think the issue is the lack of staying or killing power for elite prices. 
For example, cataphracts should have impact hits and rank and file should be able to feint in three ranks and not lower their fight value, including the pikes. That, with a three might hero for under 90 points, would solve it for me, Adam. Ooh, you've got some interesting points there. Uh, cataphracts having impact hits. I think, personally, impact. I'm fed up of impact hits. Um, and I'm, I don't know. I... The, the the chariot it would just dilute the uh, the, ex, the sort of potency of chariots or um, the uh, what are they called the camels and um, but I do think uh, yeah you're right cataphracts could do with a little bit of extra hitting power because you know even even with four dice looking for sixes um, you, you're never going to get it are you really looking at, at strength three um, not never but you know less about half the time isn't it or something like that um, the facing in three ranks is a really interesting idea. Um, so you're re-rolling ones essentially all the time, which I could I could get on board with that. That's a nice idea. Um, maybe yeah. Well, there you go. Um, I know the uh, rule book's already written, but uh, if you're listening, Jay Claire, uh, if you're listening, Dan Entwistle, um please do consider that. Uh, thanks for the getting in touch, Adam. Uh, nice to have any of your comments on those sorts of topics that we discuss. Uh, I was saying in this one, please do get in touch about the. Um, uh, the the list of uh, the Rohan list the the paths of the druid and do you think I've chosen the right heroes let me know uh, podcast at gmail.com uh, Sam Hoodie's been in touch as well he says firstly he's still in blabbery I'm assuming Ritabi will be about 140 points as she has all the juicy special rules alongside a solid combat profile see I think that would be too expensive um, Sam uh, because Amda is 100 what was it 135 um, we were talking about earlier, 145. And Amda has a horse, and it looks like we're not going to get a horse for Ritabi. I think that would be a bit rubbish, if I'm honest, if it's 140. I just can't see you getting the potency from her, unless she's going to be three wounds, three fate, or something like that. I just think... I'd like to see it at uh, Ritabi at about 100, maybe 110. Um, and then I'd be happy because because of all the the goodness she has she has the master of battle she has three might she has three wounds uh a fight fight six those are great and what was the other rule there was a, some some sort of special rule that that escapes me at the moment um but either way i don't know i can't i can't see it uh, 140 points that sounds quite a lot to me but um i will we'll see we'll see i suppose um i'll be proven wrong in a couple of weeks i'm sure um brawl gear you say i can see blade wrath still having its use because if our favorite new lady general traps an enemy leader with six strikes to wounds re-rolling failed ones also having strength six or ten if channeled um your opponent will be a lot more nervous yeah that is true that is true um oh yeah sorry yeah that's it it was the re-rolling failed wounds if they're trapped and um, uh for Ritabi. Yeah, Blade Wrath's still going to be quite useful. It's not going to be... Um, it's still... I, I just like the fact that it's going to have extra um, extra sort of spells as well, the Enchanted Blades and the... the um, What's it? Tremor? Um, however, if he is with Amda, Enchant causing re-rolled, re-rolling failed, uh, failed rune walls for a hero with four attacks on the charge with an Elven Blade, fight six and ability to counter strikes for free with Blood and Gory is a massive plus. I think that's better. I think Enchanted Blades is going to be better, isn't it? Because... Um, Strength four. So let's do this. Let's do some uh, sort of thinking about this. If you've got Amder on strength four and you're charging a normal hero who you need to wound on sixes, um, let's say, uh, if you've got four, it's if you've got eight dice, so you probably get one wound, right? Um, if you're re-rolling your wounds because of enchanted ra- uh, blades, that's another seven 
chance uh, chances at re-rolling your wounds, right? So that that could be another another wound at least. I mean, that's doubling your wound wounding potential, right? Whereas strength six only increases it by a little bit, a third. Is that right? Or maybe I'm not doing it right. Um, I suppose if you were strength, strength four and you were then wounding on uh, sorry strength six and then wounding them on fives, that would be better. I don't know. I'm not very good at this sort of thing. Um, maybe you can work it out for me. Um, le- let me know. But either way, Enchanted Blaze definitely seems like it has some potential there. Um, I think probably more for... Um, you, I don't think you'd do both. Or maybe you would. If you've got another priest in the army, maybe you would. Anyway, I, I got carried away, says Sam. And so did I, Sam, so don't worry. Um, in answer to your riddles, is this where Frodo shoves his blade in his assailant's face and tells him, This is Sting. You've seen it before, haven't you? Holland. Probably not, he says. Yeah, you're right. It's not that. <laughs> we'll find out in a second. Uh, but let's have the final email from Richard Unwin. Hi, Harry. Nice to see you continue with the Eastlings into the new year. I think you're close to getting the recipe right and perhaps even winning a tournament with them soon. But hopefully the new reinforcements from Defence of the North will get you over the top. Thanks, Richard. I'm not convinced, but maybe we'll find out um, uh, in this episode because, of course, this episode, this episode, we've got help. So even if I get maybe two out of three wins, which, you know, is not beyond the realms of possibility, um, I might, just maybe might, uh, if I do also well with my uh, Rohan, I might do quite well. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but thanks very much to say. Um, I'm glad that people are liking the continuation of the theme. I hope it's not getting too boring. Um but we'll bring something in uh, into the mix soon, I'm sure. On to Riddles in the Dark. I think I've got this one straight away, but that often means I'm setting myself up to fail. So let's see. I think the scene is from the attack on the Haradrim by the Athelian Rangers. And the next person to speak is Sam, who says, Wait! We're innocent travellers! Keep up the great work with the podcast. I'm also going to check out your YouTube channel one of these days as well. Oh, Richard, please do. Um, Battle Games in Middle-Earth on YouTube. Um, I've done some great interviews, um, if I don't mind saying so myself. It's less my work than more uh, the people um, with uh, Alessio Cavatori, uh, Rick Priestley, and um, the Perry Twins, who are all uh, intrinsically involved with the uh, the start of the game. Um, so if you do check anything out, I think they're the places to start. Um, and I've got some battle reports as well, which people seem to like. So that's cool. Uh, but Richard, you say, is the person who speaks next Sam? And do they say, wait, we're innocent travellers? Let's find out. <laughs> Wait, we're innocent travellers. Oh. There are no travellers in this land. Ah, of course. There you go. There you go. So um, a few people getting it right. Uh, not everyone getting exactly the right uh, person, but a lot of people um, getting the scene or thereabouts uh, pretty much bang on the money. So uh, well done. Well done. Um, uh, well done to you uh, guys. Also, I think Adam got it right as well because he said uh, he put it in his subject line, even though he didn't actually address it in his um uh, message the riddle in the dark so uh, very well done um and I, I can't remember who who exactly uh, said something um they said something because it's all about eastlings be something to do with them or the force of the east in general and that is exactly what it is i did hint at the in the past that i would be doing a bit of that in future podcasts so with that in mind let's hear this episode's riddle in the dark
So who speaks next? What do they say? Uh, let me know. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Who speaks next? What do they say? Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Let's listen one more time. Hmm, a tricky one. Or is it? I don't know. Uh, get in touch, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. And feel free as well to get in touch about uh, the uh, Pastor Jordan list, what you think of it. Um, do you think I've got enough heroes? Uh, do you think I've got the wrong heroes? Let me know. Do you think I should have the banner? I don't know. Uh, let me know. Uh, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. And tell me who speaks next and who and what they say in that clip. Now, Let's get moving. We've talked through the lists. We've talked through the emails and the Easterlings from last week. It's about time we go to the tournament, heading over to Seventh City Collectibles in Nottingham, uh, where we will play good and we will play evil and we'll put my Easterlings and my Pastor the Druiden to the test. Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? Can't stop. I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So, game one of the grandest tournament against Jake Lawson, and we're playing. Uh, sorry, Rawson. Jake Rawson, uh, and we're playing uh, Assassination. So, um, good v evil. I had to play with my evil force, which I actually like the sound of, because uh, I've got my Easterlings and they're quite good at that usually. But I was up against some elves. Uh, so just, Jake, just run, run us through your army list uh, and tell me what you got in it. Sure. So uh, I brought some, some brothers to play today. We brought the twins from Rivendell, Elden and Noah here. Um, and from Lothlorien, we brought in Rumil and Haldir as well. Um, the elves were massively underperforming, I think it's fair to say. The yes. heroes were doing all the work today. The, the troops were just, just failing at every turn, couldn't kill anything. It, um, it, it, was, it was a pretty poor uh, effort from the, uh, the troopers. I think the Easterlings got a, a really good um, start on, under their belt. Uh, early on, I, I drummed my guys across the centre of a battlefield, which is kind of littered with terrain, um, but not, not hugely spanned terrain. And you'd castled up uh, Haldir, on, uh, so who's your leader, on uh, a little hill, hillock, which I kind of I, we didn't talk about the hill at the start of the uh, the game, and I kind of I, I didn't think it would be a climb test, but it, it was because it is mountainous, and I didn't really kind of twig that until I got there. Um, but I moved all my guys across, thinking if I if I focus everyone on one flank, I'll churn through the troops, and that will give me a massive advantage, and it keeps the twins out of combat who I was pretty scared of um, and to be fair I think that strategy that part of the strategy kind of worked because I killed so many elves so quickly oh absolutely yeah the the strategy was completely sound the only thing that sort of hindered you from that one thing that really hindered that plan was the the shin number of might I brought to the game compared to yours 12 versus 7 so I was able to get those six. Moves. oh six yeah. it was sorry of course yeah so I was able to get those moves up and catch you before you could get fully onto one flank um, that's what really stopped it but then yeah. Even, even as I did catch her, because of those pi- uh, the pikes with the backing away, you managed to help me off enough to put a good dent in my forces. So it yeah. was, was touch and go. I think it was it was a tough one. I think um, I, I was quite proud of the, the move I did. I got my acolytes jumping up this terrain piece, pinned in uh, Haldir and his, his crew, because I didn't want them getting involved um, until uh, later on, so I could focus hard on uh, on the troops and get some kills and aiming for Rumil who is my target uh, with Amda uh, is the only real choice there and and you 
sensibly went for the priest with one of your twins. Yeah, so my, my initial thinking was to go for Ramder because the obvious target is the priest, but with him just being so tough and having all of my guys at fight six matching him, it would have been a bit too much of a battle, I think, so go for the safe option. And because I had four big heroes, I could kind of faint my way through it saying who was going for it. Um, in the end, I didn't get the kill with my assassin, but um, that break on the last two turns fortunately just swayed it my way. Yeah, it, it did go your way in the end. And the, the Rumel thing, I, I mean, I kind of undenied about which one to go for, but um, I decided Rumel in the end because I thought with my magical power, I can switch off his annoying special rule, I can make sure that I get the strike, and he's, he, he should go down, um, I thought. Um, but... You, you were proving very resilient to magic. You know, you've got a resistance to magic, which is obviously is great, and you've got one will. And I thought, I spent a couple of turns trying to just cast some magic at you just to take away that will point, just to reduce your store. But I think out of the three or four goes that I had, I never once managed to get it through. You kept, you kept getting that six on the one dice yeah, that needed the one, it. The one that mattered at the end of the day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Lothlorien army bonus, really proving that it was far superior to Rivendell yeah. in this game. Um, yeah, really, really helpful. But, um, having said that, I did finally, I, I got a charge off with Amder, got my loads of dice, knocked you over, didn't get the wound because you called her out defence, sensible, um, and then I did quite, I was quite proud of this move, I, I barged a, a banner that I charged, I think, uh, I moved him out of the way and got the, got Kamal into, into the now prone Rumil, so, uh, and he did, he did the deed in the end, which, in a way, wasn't quite what I wanted, but I was quite happy with the five points. At that stage in the game, the priest was alive. Um, you know, my leader was in good good stead, and I thought, well, I'll just get a few troops and mop up some will points and try and avoid uh, the priests. But I think, uh, sorry, uh, avoid losing the priests with the twins. But I think at that point, you were you, you kind of had this long running uh, gu- group of guys that were kind of sneaking around, and eventually they were going to get there, and they did. And once that once that one of the twins arrived, it, it was kind of game over. I think. Yeah, absolutely. It took a long time for them to get where they wanted to be, but um, you've got to think about the long game as well as the short game. Although I think it's also worth mentioning a uh, little shout out to that banner who you barged out of the way. <laughs> eventually came back for blood and put a wound on Kamal, didn't he? Yeah, so uh, yeah. yeah, he was a bit annoyed about yeah, that. I think he took off a fate point, and you know, and all the will, of course, which was really uh, frustrating. But yeah, it was a really really interesting game, and I, I always struggle against um, elves, I think, because my heroes require the, uh, you know, the, their might to, to do heroic combats and stuff. Uh, so Kamal, I kind of struggle with. Yes, he's got the will to spend, but I think he was just spending so much will to, to try and avoid, um, uh, uh, avoid, well, kind of pin you down on the magic. So the, the will kind of went quite quickly and then eventually ended up uh, being poofed out by um, Elver here doing some doing some stuff but and generally I think I think I, I thought I played it relatively well I mean I got quite lucky with the uh, with the early kills from my troops but I think it, it came back to bite me and you got you got the fair share of luck at, at the end when you needed it yeah just about I mean to be fair that uh, that Hail Mary into Rumel did keep your wraith around a little bit longer getting the will back for those yes, wounds yeah, keeping him in the fight because um, without that it would have probably turned sour a lot quicker but I mean bringing in three extra will can keep him around for three more turns of combat, so it's uh, yeah, it's a good rule to have on him. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is good. It is good. Um, and I, I, I think your army is really cool. Actually, it's a, it's a great balance. You've got no kind of massive, massive hitters, but enough there with you with your uh, sort of spread of might that, that you've got enough killers, enough strikers to, to actually do some work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I try to stick at my heroes below 100 points level because I'm still quite new to it. I never get my value back for the 150, 160 point heroes. So four mid-level heroes I think is, is good and obviously having all your troops at fight five really helps with tackling the enemy's weaker heroes as well. So um, yeah, I try to rely on my troops more than my heroes but today the heroes were doing all the work. So. Yeah, they did all the work and they, you didn't need any of uh, any of your troops. And in terms of your other army, you've got, uh, so you played good, so you're now using your evil. Um, what's your other ev- uh, army and, and, you know, do you rate it? So I... <sighs> 
we'll see after today. I bought Isengard, which I played quite a bit, but I've always in the past bought Saruman. Um, today I'm trying to run without him, so it'll be very interesting to have that lack of board control, which Saruman naturally brings with his, his high range for casting. What sort of Isengard is it? What have you got in there? So I'm, I'm bringing Lurtz, Thryden, Vrasku, so nine might across three heroes. Again, quite mid-level heroes. Uh, lots of berserkers and lots of crossbows. Anyone that knows me knows I'm a fan of crossbows. Um, I'll just sit at the back and just shoot out everything I can um, to pay for my lack of strategy elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm more in favour of that one than the army I've currently played because I've had a lot more experience with it. But we'll see how it goes. There's some really good good armies here today. Well, so. it's got, it sounds like it's a, a scary uh, uh, battle to, to face, I think. So, I, I, well done, Jake. You've got a 10-5 ten, ten, uh, ten in the end because uh, you've got the break as well just on the a couple of turns before and I was just one one or two models off uh, breaking you uh, and you my leader poofed out in the end and I didn't do anything to you so you got the f- fair share of points but uh, well done good game thank you very much good game so game number two uh, we're playing hold ground here at the grandest tournament and uh, I was using my good army so it's my pass of the druid and force against Dan Boyle's evil Urukai. So, uh, first of all, Dan, uh, just give us a summary of your army list to give us a kind of flavour of what's going on. Uh, so, I had a couple of warbands. I had one group of scouts led by Maher that was supposed to blitz around the board, do some fun stuff, move very quickly. Yeah. Saruman on a horse, knock some horsemen off. That was the main plan. And Lurtz, big guy, bunch of dudes. That's the, sh- that's the crack. Yes. And uh, Maelstrom of Battle... You roll, you roll the six on the priority, and I think at first you thought, yes, this is great. Well, and I, I thought, I, yes, this is great. Yeah, I called the six. Yeah, uh, I did. said, this is going to be a six, and it was. So I thought, you know what, coming in with good luck, we'll see how it goes. I think you might have cursed yourself Yeah, it, it went very, very poorly. Um, immediately, my deployment with one of my warbands was completely surrounded. The scouts, who are nippy, but not very good at defending themselves, completely surrounded by all of the horses in the world yes so so basically as you say your your Mauher landed in the corner and Saruman and Lurtz over off on the completely other table and I, I pounced on the opportunity I spent three points of might two from Ferdinand and one from Elfhelm um, to make sure everyone was close to your your Urukai and including Gan and his his friends uh, and they they shot and they they threw spears and they blow pipes and they killed a few guys and then next turn it was it was I kind of let you charge me actually because yeah. I knew I was going to get loads and loads of guys in there yeah well I hope to take a couple more fellas down but in the end I killed one royal guard and uh, oh I did I did get a wound off on Elfhelm so I got a moral victory I got a moral victory for the complete slaughter of more than a third of my army yeah. so all very good yeah. uh, great it, stuff uh, it was, it, I, I did feel a little bit bad I felt a bit mean doing it because I, I, when you when you were so happy that you'd rolled the, yeah. the six for the priority that it was it was, it was a clear um, it was a clear disaster for you really but the, as the turns progressed Saruman with his horse, uh, with his, uh, he was r- rushing forward, and he cast about. I think it was five sorcerers yeah. blasts in the yeah, end, yeah. and um, all of them did so much work. Yeah, I mean that first one because you you were actually on the back foot. You suddenly thought, oh Jesus, because yeah. I managed to wrap round, and I cleared your banner bearer and two guys off in one turn, killed yeah. three men off of horses, including your banner because he wasn't next to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the guys he hit died before he did. So nobody nobody survived over there. Yeah. But then... So that was like a 70 point or thereabouts drop it or 56, well, 25 yeah. for the banner 30 plus 30. So yeah, so about 50, 60 points in one sorceress blast. And I thought, this is going to happen every turn. That's hundreds of points worth of models, including heroes that are going to be dehorsed or killed. Yeah. Well, that was the hope. 
Um, as it happened, I mostly just threw Thayden around on the floor a lot and nothing really happened to him. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thayden was quite lucky because he's defence seven, so you know he's harder to wound on the Sorceress Blast, but you did keep, keep him out, you kept him out of combat quite well. But and I think I was, I was lucky in the times that you'd done that, I still had yet to move, I think. Oh, yeah. So you'd, you'd done that, and I could still move three inches and get into combat somewhere and you know just kill another Nurik and it was consistently killing one Uruk with him and one Uruk with Deowine who would then heroic combat and send yeah. all his riders off and uh, do some charges which worked really well I was yeah. really happy with how he yeah. worked out yeah the Deowine I think it really put you over the edge because like you were saying to me when we finished the match it wasn't just that he killed and could move the guys in combat with him then push forwards and I mean very thematic love watching Uruk's die to Rohan very fun yeah. very upsetting at the same time <laughs> yes. And one thing that I really didn't take into account was, was the Wozes. Because mm. when it came to the end of the game, first of all, I messed up a bunch of heroics and uh, stopped Lurts from being able to fight any of them, yeah. which uh, happened two turns in a row. That was a bit of a, bit of a faux pas, definitely. Yeah. Um, but there's just, just so many of them. And, and I, I think what I, what I did quite well in this one in particular is that I kept them back. They were shooting, they were shooting hiding they were staying far away enough that you weren't being able to heroic combat through them because Lurtz would have done a number on them I mean in the one turn that he fought them he killed three in one go and that was it um, but I, I, what I did I did it quite I'd like to say quite well because I um, oh, sure, I sure. got the traps and I have the Uruk- a bonus against Urukai so I'm killing them on fives which is great and then re-rolling ones if I get them so once they descend on a sort of they're really good at bullying a small number of Uruks or Orcs or Goblins but they, they can sort of fall on their swords a little bit if they're um, you know if they're overwhelmed yeah I mean in terms of opponents you couldn't really have asked for a better force to fight unfortunately for and me. that's why I brought them here I, I knew I'd be facing orcs goblins and orcs at some point yeah yeah a lot of fun as I say uh, unfortunately my berserkers didn't really do a thing they kind of just all got charged and fell over yeah. nightmare um, a lot of counter charges especially with my royal guard that gives me the fight five advantage as well yeah absolutely absolutely I mean I mean, you've got to just say GG. You yeah. really came in, cleared me out. I finished the game with Saruman and Lurtz looking down the noses of a whole bunch of dudes, yeah. uh, which left me with a, a grand total of nil points. So it's game three of the grandest tournament, playing retrieval against my car-sharing buddy, Tim Elwes, a veteran of the podcast. Hello. Hello. So you bring uh, a good army, uh, 700 points. What have you brought? Uh, I've brought a very small and compact good army. It's a modification of what I've played with before. So we've got um, uh, Gimli, Legolas and Boromir from the Fellowship. We've, um, oh, the magical elf. Gildor. Gildor and his friend Arwen with some Noldorians to bring a banner and some throwing weapons. And last of all, I've got... uh, Haldir. Haldir. I've got Haldir, yes. And Arwen comes, comes in the... The Rivendell list today. Rivendell, right. Okay, so so it's a very small, as you say, compact list, but it's packed full of heroes and fight five um, and a lot of f- fast movement. You're up against my Easterlings, which you've played a, a few times in various different forms. Um, uh, we're playing Retrieval, which is kind of like Capture the Flag. The board's kind of divided uh, on, on the diagonal, and then these objectives are placed in the middle of our sort of half of the board, which is a triangle. So it's all it's a little bit different. Um, what was your plan going into it, and sort of, you know, how, how, did you, how do you think it went? So my army is all... Everyone has an Elven Cloak, so my plan is Heidi Heidi, don't get killed. But there was very little terrain on our board, so... I just thought, let's go and get the objective and then run away very fast with my movement of eight. I'm quite quick. Uh, There was a bit of a gap down one flank, so I sent a little group off to go and get it uh, and then hoped that the the small number of elves 
and the Fellowship would manage to not die. Yes, fair enough. Um, I, I made my first big error, I think, was sending um, Amda to try and deal with these three Noldorans. I didn't realise that Arwen was hiding in the trees, but to be fair, I, that shouldn't have made a massive difference. But um, I think I'd made a big boo-boo by doing this um, because I'm sending my big hitter, all my might, uh, down one flank against this thing. But I did think that was important to get the objectives. Um, what did you think? Do you think that was the right move? Well, obviously, with hindsight, no. But <laughs> it's similar. I played a game before this uh, against some elves, and they had a similar situation where they had a fairly high-power hero and a lot of points cost who... Uh, did very badly in a very early round of combat and spent a lot of his resources. And this was similar here. Um, Amdur spent a lot of the game with no might, um, essentially being held up by elves who just shielded with their fancy elven spears. And, and you had, uh, as I mentioned, Arwen, so she cast Nature's Wrath twice, uh, and Gildor, who did Immobilise twice, yeah. which just added an extra two or three turns, took my horse out eventually. Um, so I, I, just, I just didn't have anything to support me magically. And as you say, it held me up for a long time. I did eventually kill Gildor and Arwen, um, but it was too late by that point, as you say. The, one of the Noldorans had run off with the objective. Meanwhile, on the other flank, where I was, I was charging the whole of my army against a relatively small group of models, um, I yes, thought... 11, 11 models. 11 models, including Gimli, Boromir, Legolas and Haldir. So, you know, quite a sizable, oh, a decent... They were, you know, a decent point sink of models, but nevertheless, not very many models. Yeah. Uh, again, I, the, the, the lines clash, and I got some kills with the Easterlings against the Elves, because that's kind of inevitable. But um, it was the heroes that did all the work, and I, I tried to do a fancy move with Kamul, where I moved out, and I was going to compel Haldir into combat with me, and it was all going to be great and grand and fine. Um, instead of doing that, I, I got... A, I did a three dice and I got a five or no four uh, and I needed the five I spent the might to get the five which I shouldn't have done um, and then Haldir resisted with his two points of will anyway because I want one and the, uh, the, um, and the resistance, resistance of magic and the might, I spent a might anyway but and then I was standing out in the open with Legolas and Haldir facing me down and it all all went a bit wrong Kamal did survive but wasn't was severely depleted in resources after that Kamal I think was perhaps where I think the biggest error was because you had my relic or whatever we're going to call it fairly early on but couldn't seem to smuggle it out of the scrum there's a big scrum of Easterlings um, one little chap had the relic but you couldn't seem to get the relic out to Kamal who had the speed to get it away yes. and once, once he was down to such a low source of will he was only ever going to be doing two things so either hanging around to keep everyone from running away or getting that objective off and I think that was the turning point where you almost got it to Kamal, but I think there was a heroic combat and uh, Boromir and an elf came and took it from you. And I think that was more of a turning point than the over on that flank, to be honest. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Because I, I, was, I was counting, once, uh, once I'd made the error of uh, Amder and thinking, oh, that's not going to be fast enough. There's too many heroes over there. I'm not going to be able to catch your objective. I was thinking, oh, I've got to try and work out a way of getting the objective to Kamal and he can run away. Uh, and as you say, yeah, it, you just prevented that with some canny uh, heroic combats and the eight-inch move from the elves, which I'd, I'd perhaps underestimated slightly in that moment. And... And then it just lasted for a while with Boromir just fighting and um, with the objective and just kind of relying on me waiting essentially for there's going to be one turn that you're not going to get the six or that you're not going to have the might to get the six and that just never came because you had enough might you'd 
been quite smart with you, Mike, and you rolled well enough that you didn't squiff it, <laughs> essentially, which is what you usually do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm known now for burning through my mic fairly quickly and then realising I've got an hour to go and, and no heroic resources, but today I have been pacing myself. This is another scenario that ends on the roll of a two, mm. which has not been going well for me, I think, historically. Um, yeah, see, I think it was three rolls of... Uh, it was a third roll, wasn't it, that it, it, the game ended on? This wasn't that bad, but it, you know, when you've only got a small number of models and when you've got the Harbinger as well making me fail courage tests, it doesn't take a long time for a small number of models to fail a couple of courage tests and then you've got no models. Yeah. And I'm not sure what happens with that. Does it swing to a 12-0 automatically well, or do I, I...? Well, I think in this circumstance, because you had one guy who'd run off the board, um, he would never have counted as being not on the board, so I wouldn't have got the automatic tabling thing that you get. So um, so I don't... Th- I, I sort of worked that out halfway through and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that either because I thought if I table you, maybe yeah. you'll be OK with that. Yeah, I think that would have prevented it. But, yeah, it was just relying on um, you squiffing and then eventually I want... I kind of thought, if I can kill... Boromir and Gimli that would give me the leader points and because uh, Gimli's your leader sensible choice um, and then I'd get the objective off Boromir and that might just be enough to push me over the edge and make a draw or, or something like that it wasn't quite close enough well we've played for a uh, hundred minutes and it's still come down to either of us could win it with a couple of dice rolls in the last couple of turns which makes for a very exciting game uh, it makes me steadily more bored I think as it's going along but uh, <laughs> it's very stressful I certainly think that with the changes to your Eastling army um, especially with the Wraith, it has made it a better... Since I played it last time, it's an improved Easterling mm. army. I think so, and I think I'm better at using it. Um, I do still think that I made some pretty stupid errors in this game, and and I, I still think, if I'm honest, I do think that things like Kamal, they're just not quite good enough to do what I want them to do. I think I need to uh, probably adapt the way I play Kamal in particular, because I'm kind of hoping that when I you know, fly up to near um, Legolas and Haldir that... I'm going to be able to pop out the building, compel you in, kill you in one go, and then move on, and and it will be great because I'll keep the will and all that sort of stuff, when actually he's not really very good at doing that. (laughs) Because you go, well, I've got to put at least three or four will into the... I'd say probably at least three will in the compel because he needs to get a five. So, but then even you know, three wills probably... You know, I'm only going to do it an average number of times, so probably four will is the sensible bet. And then, then I've got eight le- will left. I need to kill lots of stuff, and, and I don't have enough uh, any more magic. So he's just he, he needs more will or uh, something because he just just struggles to to capitalise on his magic and his fighting ability. It's the it's the story of today has been um, when you've got an army with weight of numbers, you tend to come up against something who has the fight value, and that's a massive distraction. So. Um, you spend a lot of res- when you're coming up against this selection of elves and heroes everything is fight five or six so with elven blades so you, you kind of need to be using that will to get you to the fight six and then you're throwing uh, spells into the mix and might if you want to do a slingshot or a heroic action as well and all of a sudden you're risking maybe six might or will to do something and if it comes off it's glorious and you take a photo and slippers on pipe lit but if it doesn't come off you sit there and you think that's a lot of stuff I could have used later on but yeah I I think that's maybe I think probably what I'm what I'm doing wrong here is that I'm playing Kamal in a way that I would probably play the Witch King which I have played a lot in the past I used to play a lot more Moranans and stuff like that Witch King's got the three dice he's got the re-rolls he's got the better thing so he's just better Um, and he's he's almost the same he's a safer offensive bet 
whereas here, um, you know, it, it has taken us two hours to play a game. You can be more conservative with the might and use it later because uh, a heroic combat with uh, a fell beast can potentially get you a 24-inch move. And in a game where we're trying to get a relic across the board quickly, keeping that might for later on to do the spectacular stuff. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I need to I need to be a little bit more cautious in how I use them and wait for the opportune moment and and do something like what I did at, at one point, kill the banner. Yeah. But if I'd had the might at that point and the, I had the relic, it would have been bam, banner dead, gone, all off the board, and all everyone's fine and happy and dandy. Well, either way, Tim, it was what was it in the end? Eight two to you. So you got the objective off the board, um, and you broke me. I broke you, and also wounded your leader or did something else. I can't remember what the other point was for, but um, what did I do? Oh, Oh, no, I moved the objective. Move, that was move, it. Move, I moved move. the objective off its point. So, uh, either way, Tim, you're off uh, to Dizzying Heights. The Easterlings have proved again they're not. Po- it's not possible to get a positive win-loss ratio. But the Pass of the Druidan, there's hope yet. I could get two more wins tomorrow with the Pass of the Druidan uh, and lift the Easterlings into glory. There is always that ray of hope. <laughs> and if not, there's always beer. There's always beer, which we'll crack open now. So game number four of the grandest tournament after the uh, the first night's antics as ever, um, and facing off against Stephen McDonald, um, who uh, I think you, you you first came to a tournament at Lord of the Imps, my tournament in Lincoln, and then you caught the bug. Is that right? Yeah, after the first one, it was sort of going there, not knowing anyone, and obviously now you're going, you know about twenty million people. But <laughs> starting a bad addiction, really, aren't it? It's cheaper than drugs and uh, alcohol, I guess. <laughs> I don't know about cheaper than drugs and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> the cost of some of these minis, especially with your army, you a load of prowlers. It. Yeah, I mean the prowlers are one of my favourites. It's just so hard to get all of them at the moment, isn't it? But when they get in, it can be so good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, just we've mentioned the prowlers. What, uh, just give us a run through of uh, the rest of your evil force because we're playing. Uh, I was playing with my good, so my pass of the druid in this one. Yeah, it's a pretty big one. It's uh, 56 models: uh, Cave Drake, Derbys, Groblog, what 18 prowlers. Um, I'm hoping to get a few axes in and get fading off his horse, but um, I think about six chances. I didn't get him one hit. It was, one plan I sort of had playing them a bit like Corsairs if you like yeah. holding one guy and doing it uh, it just didn't happen and as soon as that one plan failed I thought uh oh it's a bit late now everyone's on their own it's going to be a bit of a massacre and massacre I don't think does it justice does it really well <laughs> I, yeah that first turn I think you, 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 you did a really smart move actually because I hadn't really sort of considered that because I saw that um, there were four or five goblins that could charge in I thought well you're probably not going to charge and if you do I'll, I'll clean them up but um yeah, then you had all these prowlers that kind of hand, standing back, well, probably about eight or something like that shots on third, and and none of them hit uh, and all that. And then yeah, as you say, that kind of fell apart from there. We're playing recon, so we're trying to get off the board. So it took a while for us to get in the middle, but I just took a quite a lot of casualties in shooting, probably sort of eight, eight or thereabouts. But once that first turn of combat happened with all those uh, goblins, and I charged counter charge, and it la- lapped over and got my free heroic combat with Dayawine and things like that. It. It soon, soon sort of spiralled out of control for you, and I think you, you had some pretty terrible dice. I mean, it's fair to say. Like, I mean, I don't think you won maybe 10% of combats. No, I don't think I won hardly anything. I mean, I sent Derbys in when I probably shouldn't have done. I was hoping I might have been able to get something off there, but I didn't really think about the charge bonus, completely forgot about it, and basically got killed in one go. Yeah, because uh, All his might was still there, basically. Well, well, one. It was, yeah, it was rough, because I charged uh, Fairden and... Uh, and Deerwine into Derbers early on or Groblog I can't remember which way around it was and then you sort of separated them off both of yours struck both of mine struck um, and I had the high fight and I had the knockdown so it, it, it dispatched um, Derbers in one fell swoop which was 
pretty horrendous for you. I mean, I, I don't want to beat around the bush here. It was it was a rough it was a rough break, and and to be fair, your look never changed from there on out. No, I mean, the best thing that he did is stopping the Drake getting in. Yeah. It just could not get in. I was trying the hardest to get him in. I thought hurling into as many cavalry as I can. Yeah, I was basically trapping my send just because I had too many models. Really, yeah. um, I could not couldn't quite get round to the terrain either. A perfectly positioned. Yeah, it negated everything I had basically. Yes, there's in the roughly in the centre. There's two buildings that. Uh, that I kind of separated off by maybe uh, just over sort of 12, well, probably 16 to 18 inches, that sort of thing. And, and I just kind of castled into this area and, and charged your guys. So every turn you just had all these goblins in combat with people and your cave Jake was just with his massive base. It just never... It took... The, until very almost the final turn to get in and then by then of course I'd killed so many goblins or 10 or 20 of them run, run away and all that sort of stuff but I mean you did so many things right like like you did like you had the bat, the bat swarms which were hiding ready to run off the board at the right times and then then they ran away uh, they, or, or I charged them with a, a royal guard which was just on the cusp of, of 10 inches basically and, and killed him in one and so, so like all these things that you did correctly I think and, and the, the balance of probability swung swung completely away from you and just handed me a, handed me a pretty de- decisive victory in the end yeah definitely I couldn't make my mind up whether to move them first or wait a little bit longer I thought I want everything as near to me as possible and I thought I could jump over your walls and you wouldn't be able to physically reach me well, I waited a little bit too long, and to be honest, I almost forgot about it myself. I think we both did. Yeah, because <laughs> it was hiding behind the building, and I was—I just didn't. When you when you're rolling two dice, I was like, "What? What's that for?" And then you like you took off the, the <laughs> you took the model off, and I was like, "I didn't know that was there, and now it's already gone." Yeah. It's such a shame because you had too me. Late. Yeah, the, that bat swan when it ran away, I, I was thinking, "Oh my god, you you had me hoodwinked there. I knew no idea it was there. Two turns, it would have been off the board, and yeah. instead it runs away. It, was, it, it just felt like one of those one of those games that spiraled out of control. And of course, once you once you lose the things like your numbers bonus with the goblins and you don't get the traps you don't get any of the advantages you don't get any of the the wound uh, the special bonuses to wounding with the prowlers and then I've, I've got all these bonuses against orcs uh, uh, sorry goblins and stuff so it's just it's pretty rough rough going for you I should have cast the channel fury in my shaman earlier completely forgot about it mm. I could have maybe saved two or three might have made a little bit of a difference possibly on Derbez himself because he was next to him yeah. and he could have could have stopped to throw it combat or something like that this happened, is yeah. it but completely forgot about it until a bit too late well, tried transfix for you didn't about best he could do yeah well uh, to be fair he, he did get the transfix off on a six I just had all three will to spend so uh, and, and I got the six in return so and that was a, something I wasn't expecting because I didn't even know the, the goblin shaman had, had transfix which is just a, a bit of a sneaky one so I, I, I was quite surprised by that coming and hadn't seen it at all so I was very lucky that that paid off but the only thing left on the board is a captain um, and the cave drake so um, it was a pretty decisive uh, victory to to the pass of the druid and 10-0 in the end um, Fairden ran away at the last minute to, to make sure that he didn't get killed by a cave drake and, and left Darewine and friends trying to chop down the big dragon but um, Steve, I mean, as I say, I can't, I can't say anything other than you. You were very unlucky. I think you played a lot of things right. Um, there were a couple of minor things. I think once you, I think you declined to do a heroic move early on with the cave drake, which yeah. might have cap- catapulted him forward and got him a bit earlier. Um, instead, I managed to pin him down with a royal guard and um, just delayed his his movement one more turn. Which I think, if you'd have done that, that might have got him in a bit quicker. But I don't think it would have made a massive difference because you'd have you'd have been trapped. Behind, well, you'd have been trapped behind your goblin still. So, um, either way, Steve, uh, great game. Really interesting to to play up against a goblin horde. I haven't done it in a long time. So, 
and the cage rate was scary, but it just wasn't in the combat. No, spot on. Thank you for battering me. <laughs> Game five of the grandest tournament, and uh, we're playing domination uh, now. And I, uh, we rolled off at the start of the game, and I ended up using my e ceilings again, and coming coming up against Julian Hammond. Julian, um, first of all, just give us a run through of your army list. Give us an idea of what you've got in your good force. It's the Riders of Third and Legendary Legion. Um, I've got AMA, uh, uh, sorry, Theoden, AMA, uh, Dernhelm, and Elfhelm. Uh, those are my heroes. It's predominantly Royal Guard, so I've got 15 Royal Guard and five, uh, five normal riders just to make the numbers up. Um, they've got throwing spears as well, so I've got a bit of missile. Got a bit of shooting, yeah. You've got quite a, quite a few shooting things. Um, and w- when we started, um, there's this basically this kind of, it looks like a street map, essentially. You've got like a, a circle in the middle with some road on it and then four buildings in each corner of this central square, I suppose, that, um, uh, that we had to fight over. So the, cent- the central domination objective was in there and then the other, two, the other four were kind of in a rough square, r- roughly around it. And... Um, I kind of blocked up right on the centre line, um, and it was. I, I think that might have been a bad idea. What, what, what do you think? How, do you think? How do you think it all sort of panned out? What was your plan? I think as you as you set out and you had a massive paint block of all your Easterlings in the centre, it was quite daunting. And then in the first move phase, um, and admittedly you got the first move, which you probably don't want. Yes, I think you got the first two in the row, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you sort of spread your lines out a little bit, sort of to go towards the objectives, and that that I think gave me an opportunity to to pick on a thin down line with, with the initial charge so I, I, I got within a charge range obviously you couldn't charge me so I had an opportunity and on the first turn of charging I also called death with Thirden so um, it was quite devastating really wasn't it yeah yeah you definitely did. You, you bang on the money with that you kind of picked up on the, the, the sort of the stragglers on the right hand side and, and on the left and I kind of had to I had to respond to your charge but I couldn't really do a lot to, to respond I got um, Amder in, into a good spot but I think by putting Amder into a spot I kind of uh, this might be the following turn but I kind of stre- stretched out my line even further to protect him from counter charges from Theoden and AMA and things like that and they ended up just basically going here here's a line of a thin thin line of people which you can surround and charge with your royal guard and and get the charge bonuses and get all the advantages you needed yeah that, that's that's pretty much uh, exactly what happened and i was sort of able to take advantage of those thin down lines and really really get in around the backs um i was always nervous of camel uh, on, on the fell beast sort of leaping on things but yeah. or hurling as well yeah yeah or hurling um but he, he didn't really um sort of show too much in, in the game to be honest he, he was he did a couple of nasty things that my my biggest threat was um was amda, amda um yeah and he ended up taking down uh, poor AMA in the end yeah um, he did you're right about the kamal thing i there was a there was a one spot that I wanted to charge to, but I just couldn't see the guy. I wanted there was an end, and I was hoping to hurl down the line and all this sort of stuff. But there wasn't a place where I could charge, uh, jump over the line, and not be countercharged by AMA. Um, and I was really scared of AMA countercharging because you've got uh, more might than me, and you've got uh, strike and all that sort of stuff. And I think uh, you, you'd probably be able to get take Kamal uh, down in one go with that. So I was kind of a bit more reluctant in the end. I think I think what he did was quite good, except at the end when he tried to charge Thedon and, and failed and got absolutely annihilated by Thedon, which was a bit depressing. But um, I, I think you, 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 one of the one of the problems I, f- I found with this one was that I, I chose to deplo- deploy in a in a central bit, which had quite a substantial um, 
amount of sort of open ground around me. Yeah. And you were saying at the end uh, of the game that had I been sort of between two buildings further back and maybe put my objectives in a different spot, yeah. I might have had a bit more of a chance of, of winning and stopping you from surrounding me and stuff. Yeah, t- that is totally the case, I think. Um, what I would have done is probably put the objective markers behind some of the buildings so they're further back in the battlefield. Um, used two of the buildings that were in, in the sort of central square areas as flanks and had a big pike block in between that and that would have been much more difficult. I would have still charged but it would have been much more difficult um, to, to actually attack and get around the flanks and had I then lost any priorities then you would have been able to hit me and, and whittle me down a bit more and you, you could have had Camel at the back uh, sort of leapfrogging over the lines as he needed to uh, and, and as a big threat really. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a really big learning point for any uh, uh, any newer players or any uh, crap experienced players like me because uh, <laughs> I may well have been playing a long time still haven't learnt this lesson um, actually putting all the, the objectives in a good position is, is, it's so much more important than, than you perhaps think initially when you're starting the game because you know we just had lunch we're sitting down you know perhaps finishing our sandwich or chocolate bars or whatever uh, and and just go oh yeah I took the objectives here and, and I kind of didn't really think about it and as you quite rightly say what once once I'd put them down they, they were fixed and that that was a, a bad place to put them yeah they, they were far enough away from your lines to, to be I think to be able to not for you to be able to not get back quickly I placed mine in similar distance but then I have a quicker move but I didn't want to place mine too far back knowing that Camol could leap over and sit on one if he, if he chose to at the end. So, yeah, maybe you could have put them a bit further back and, and a bit more out of my reach. But, yeah, um, yeah and, and it, it was about thinning the lines out as you did that really sort of yeah. gif- gifted me every opportunity that a Rohan leader could really want. If I'd have, yeah, exactly. I, I did all the things that I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't have done. And if, even if I'd have just lined up between that building, it would have been a lot harder for you to crack through. And I think this was, this was a perfect example of a, a game which I played pretty poorly and you, you've really punished those, um, those mistakes, which is exactly what, uh, what you should do. And the, as you say, that, that first initial charge with the death and the, all, the, all the bonuses absolutely mullered me. I think you must have almost broken me in the first turn. It was 10 or plus, 10 more or thereabouts dead. And then... Yeah, it was it was quite nasty, and then following turns, um, it was kind of more of the same. Amda did did do some uh, heavy work, but he was killing hero, or he killed a hero, and maybe one or one or two other guys, and then Dernhelm, but uh, and chipped away at Dernhelm, but he wasn't killing the volume of roy, uh, royal guard and things that we need, and they were just doing all the killing of my troops, so I had nothing left. Yeah, I, th- I think although I lost um, Aima t- to him. He- sort of chucking Aimer and, and then Dernhelm into him sort of held him up because he couldn't then do heroic combats out and, and get into, in and amongst my lines mm. and potentially threaten Theoden so although I lost Aimer he's not an army leader so it doesn't really count in the big scheme of things it's just a shame to lose him yeah exactly uh, and, and as you say I, you know I, I did try try the Hail Mary thing with Kamal at the end to get get a kill off uh, off end and then maybe I was hoping to jump off to another objective but yeah that, that, that just went so badly he's rolled so, so poorly and you just got two dice double six to, to win the, com- uh, the, the combat and then double six to wound him and then he just took, it, took him off in one go it was, it was pretty cruel <laughs> for me that was the biggest shock of the game I'm, yeah. I, I, I normally keep third in a, in, a, in a bit of a box because that's where all the buffs of the army come from mm. uh, so when he's, when he's actually leapt on by, by a, uh, a fell beast 
yeah, it's great that he can step up and do the business, really, when he needs to. Absolutely. Well, there you go. Uh, a win, a 10-0 win to you uh, and a 10-0 loss to me. So that means my Eastlings so far in the, the tournament have lost all three of their games uh, and the Rohan have lost none. So, <laughs> fingers crossed, the Rohan are doing the heavy lifting for me. But uh, what, what are you moving on to in your next game with, uh, with your evil force? Which evil force? Uh, my evil force is Mordor. So I've got uh, Mordor. So I've got Mordor Orcs, Space Ports. I've got um, Black Numenorians for the terror effect. I've got uh, a Vanilla Ring Wraith. Uh, on horse, I've got Shagrat Gorbag, Captain, and Shelob. Solid stuff. Love it. Well, best of luck in your next game, Julian. Okay, thanks a lot, Harry. I really enjoyed game. that. Yeah, I said it. It was great. Thank you. So, the final game here at the Grandest Tournament, and uh, it was Contest of Champions. So, Theoden uh, up against an evil force led by Ellis. And, Ellis, just tell us a bit more about your army. What have you got in it, um, and who's your leader? Yeah, so I've brought the Mordor spiders, I brought Razgus and the Shadow Lord, and a bunch of spiders. I've got 18 spiders, and then two random orcs and an orc captain so this is the this is the new character from the new book so you can now lead spiders mercury spiders and all that sort of stuff and i mean spiders are cool as they are and now you can add a ring wraith in was that the th thinking behind it yeah so the denizens has three might and that's all it can have so i've added the ring wraith which gives you control another captain and now seven might um it was he needs a ring wraith because shooting absolutely annihilates it so that's why i put the shadow lord in yeah, I think it's a really solid, solid army build. And uh, Contest of Champions, though, and Razga, he's a kind of borderline hero. But I, I think, to be fair, Theoden is too. So, I mean, what did you fancy uh, your chances in this one? What was your plan? Um, plan was to shut down Theoden, which I, I think I did quite well. Shut him down. He got some bad courages and failed like three or four in a row every turn. So that helped me. And then I was aiming to kill the Warses with, with Razgus as the easiest targets, but... I think I misplayed him very early on, kept him around the middle for too long, and I should have sent him onto a flank to start killing stuff, but he just got trapped behind my own models and then couldn't get into any fights. I think he got into three fights all game and lost two of them and won one of them. Yeah, yeah I think uh, the, you're, you're completely right. The, the problem with spiders is they've got all those massive faces, and because and I had enough um, a royal guard to, to hot pin them in place those first early turns, it meant Razgo was just hanging around at the back waiting quite a while and I don't know I don't know whether you could have done any moves to to pull it uh, to pull him out earlier on but I may I don't don't think it would have been happening very quickly um but yeah I, I think it, it largely came down to that it didn't it the, the Razgo just didn't get a chance to to do the deed and um and then in the last couple of turns you you had a chance to kill one Woses and rolled like a three and two ones something like that and it was it was very poor and you declined to use the might which might have squiffed it to a draw it's not, yeah so Fiedon had killed one model and I'd killed him uh, Razgood killed nothing and then he had a chance to spend his last might to kill a model to get stop you from scoring the points then maybe bring it to a draw but I think ultimately you always had that game later on because he would just I had to do some mad stuff like a hurl and kill six models so yeah. Yeah, there, there was. You had this crazy plan to, to hurl through loads of different people, which almost worked, um, uh, which would have just about broken me probably. And and if you'd killed the right person, it would have just about made it for the draw. But I, when when you're relying on those sorts of plays to to win the game, I guess it's uh, I guess it was all lost. But I think that was largely down to just just the the, the charge of the, the riders eventually overwhelmed the yeah, the spiders. Yeah, they killed enough spiders quick enough that I just couldn't kill. I mean, it didn't even break you, so. 
just shows how fast you got rid of the spiders. Yeah, I think well, when, when you've got four dice uh, wounding on fours, it's it's quite quite easy. It, having said that, though, that first turn when um, I charged in sort of four or five royal guard, um, you killed four of, four of them, and I killed two spiders, and I killed one with a shooting thing. So, so I was I was getting really worried early on because it could have re- easily swung if the dice had landed that way. Yeah, so the yeah, the Rohirrim charged in and then got beat up basically. Yeah. <laughs> You want, you want a good result that turn, but the momentum just... Uh, I, you have more models than me. You're, you're four dice, like you say, four dice wounding on fours. He's going to kill a spider every time, and the spiders fell apart. They do, they do, they have to get in, get the work done, and then die, but they didn't get the work done fast enough. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, generally, the, so Rusger and, um, uh, and the spider uh, and, and the Shadow Lord, what, what did you think of that list over the course of the weekend? Has it fared well? Because this is a new model that's untested, essentially. Yeah, so Rusger's okay. The defence seven's good, the three might. The one fate's not as good. It's the strength four lets him down. Uh, nowhere to get plus one to wound. He has a mace, so he can knock people down, but it's, it's, it's one of those iffy things. Um, Having the spiders in, my, I don't have a bat, which I said before the game. Having a bat in is probably bigger than having the spiders in. Mm. Um, but the spiders are good. The strength five, poisonous, two wounds. I didn't get to play them on Reconnoitre, which is where I wanted to play them. But you have to, I think it's a lot better list than the Desonans. So he's good, Razgo. And if a legendary legion comes out with him, then uh, I'm all over that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And the, I think, although I am, I'm thinking the Shadow Lord being a, a fantastic addition to this army. A, the, the casting, the as you mentioned earlier, the control, but also just that potential for for protecting the spiders against some horrible shooting army. It's it's a really really canny choice. Yeah, the defense free on spiders. So I played a Haradin Horde, so like 25 bows. Uh, so he's killing spiders on fives, but re-rolling. But the Shadow Lord. Making it hit on sixes just meant like that I lost nothing. Like I think I lost one or two spiders in the two turns it took me to get there. If I didn't have him, I'd probably lose six or seven spiders. So he's a massive addition to him. Oh, brilliant. Well, it, it, it's it's clearly something exciting, and as you say, legendary legion on the way. So maybe getting even better uh, very soon. But um, Alice, it's, it's been a pleasure playing the game. I really enjoyed it as much as the there was. It was a bit of a two and throw, which I really enjoyed in the game. It always flips back and forth. I think it ended five nil to me. So not not a disastrous loss. Uh, not a massive victory for me either. So uh, congratulations and well done on the tournament. How did it go in general? Uh, it's my first tournament for Lord of Rings. I won two, lost four, um, but I lost my games with the good army that I didn't want to bring anyway so our, our, our whole thing is so yeah, quite happy with that yeah so I lost this is my first loss with the spiders um, and then oh sorry my second loss I won, won one with each and then lost twice with this lost twice so not as bad well, either way uh, well done uh, on the game and, and hopefully fingers crossed the Legion will make it better next time and you'll be back and uh, take some victories yeah thanks for the game cheers crikey mate well there you go uh, that's um <laughs> that's uh, pretty much a turnout for the books isn't it so i go in with the intention of winning um and proving the easterlings have got what it takes to do good and then i come back having lost with my easterlings three times and won with my pass to the druiden three times so i guess that tells you one thing one i should play with the path of the druiden in good versus evil tournaments because they kicked ass they really did. I mean, I guess I had some good good matchups because I was against um, goblins and I was against Urukai, and that's great for um, the army bonuses. But also did okay against the spiders as well. Um, uh, spiders are pretty um, uh, pretty deadly. They really took out some royal guard, but also um, 
once I charge them, I do get to kill them pretty easily. So there's that. <sighs> the Easterlings. What can I say about the Easterlings? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I feel like in this... I feel like in this tournament I played poorly um, within my Easterlings. And um, that's not to say that my opponents played where, uh, uh, played badly. Um, because they, they absolutely did. I definitely made errors. I made some huge errors. Um, deployment against the Rohan army was a big problem. Um, I just... We talked about this at length with Julian, so I won't repeat it now. But I just didn't really think about um, how to deploy my army and I f- we kind of talked over it after we'd done the interview a bit more detail um, uh, Julian and I and we came to this kind of conclusion that um, I'd, I'd, I'd really fudged it and if I'd have done it differently it would have been really really hard for him to do any kind of uh, good work on it because I'd just kind of thrown away my chance at um, using my pikes I'd allowed him to charge the flank of my uh, pike block uh, taking away all those extra attacks that are perfect against um, Rohan. You know, he's charging one guy in the front with two guys behind him. I get three dice to win the combat. He gets just two. Um, instead, I'm letting him charge my flanks where he's getting two attacks against each of my individual uh, Eastlings, which having to shield. So if they do win, um, they're not killing anything and they get to have another go next turn, don't they, the riders? So bad, bad placement there. Um, in the... Uh, game against the kind of uh, fellowshipy um elf alliance um i'm not saying that i i think the army that uh, that tim has is is an unusual one and i feel like i probably could punish that a bit more if i was um wiser um but uh, tim is adept at using that army so i think that that helps but yeah i do feel like if i'd have played it a bit better i deployed very poorly with amder what was i doing there i I sent him off on a flanking run to try and kill two random elves and he failed he was held up so many times Uh, maybe if i'd have just um played charged everything into the objective including amder i'd have picked up the objective as well as him and handed off to kamal instead amder ended up fannying around most of the time Uh, or i could have just put a few troops uh, on one flank and that would have held the elves up just as well as Amder because uh, his elves aren't going to kill my uh, troops so that was a poor idea as well and uh, the Lothlorien in the first game and um, that was a very close game I felt like I played better in that one than I did in the others um, but uh, I just struggled against the Lothlorien there's just so much um, assassination is the one that you kind of want for Easterlings I think but uh, elven heroes aren't the people you want to be trying to kill um, because they're just so annoying especially Rumil. and um, so yeah I just did I feel like if I played that tournament again with against those armies um, with this army I think I could probably do a lot better I mean obviously that's hindsight um, telling me everything but um, I feel like I could have played better because I have played better in the past but maybe not this one time um, the past of the druid and just ace I love them um, if I'd have come up against a load of corsairs and um, Harad, I might have found that they had uh, weaknesses that weren't showcased, but their their shooting was great. Their um, their killing power was really cool, um, including the Wozers, and I think I played them um, really well. I do think that I pulled off some things that that perhaps a newer player wouldn't have been able to do um, or as well, because I just feel like I just I get them. I kind of understand them. How you charge the Rohan in. Um, when you charge the Rohan in and when you charge the Wozers in. I think I've just been nailing that um, in every one of the games. So um, uh, it bodes well for the Slow Grow League where I'm using uh, Wozers. Although, of course, are they as good at 400 points as they are at 700 points? Because you've got 
200 points uh, well uh, 200 points on Woses and Gan and Thedon for three so you've only got 100 points to spend on Riders so uh, are they going to be as good we'll find out in a future episode but there you go uh, that's the uh, that's all of the games but let's find out now um, who won the tournament and of course talk to tournament organiser Will Champion maybe they have a little bit of uh, of sort of wisdom to pass on about the East Links let's find out <laughs> So after six games, three with the good army, three with the evil, there's only one winner of the grandest tournament, and that is Ali King, the GBHL boss and uh, writer of blogs and all that sort of stuff. Well done. Thank you. Uh, So first of all, um, good versus evil, um, what sort of thought has to go into the uh, building of the list to make it work, or make both lists work in a competitive format like this? Um, So there's obviously a more limited selection that you may face as an army. Um, so and also you can notice more trends, more trends across those armies. So for example, good armies tend to have lower strength, so they'd be strength three and higher defense. So it'll often be defense six. Uh, obviously, there's always going to be exceptions. So it means that like if your evil force has strength four, um, and like they have defense six themselves, you're more likely to actually have a favorable matchup when it comes to the wounding and not being wounded part of the game. So there's like little things like that. Um, just before the FAQ dropped as well, like you would often see a lot of Gladiol Lady of Lights because you know that you're probably going to only face ring wraiths and spirits and that. So my evil army actually avoided having any spirits, um, and along with other reasons, but it's because uh, you may face a lot of like Lady of Light and banishment and stuff like that. Mm. So what were your armies? Oh uh, yeah, so I had my Fidrid Guards Legendary Legion, um, which is a little plug for myself. If you want to check out the full list. You can go on the GBHL blog and I kind of break it down in each section and you can see the full list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my evil was a Mordor uh, orc sort of army with Gothmorg, uh, Gorbag, Muzga, uh, Kurdash and an orc drum. Um, and also you will be able to find the full list and the breakdown of that soon, probably when this goes out uh, on the GBHL website. So, so the, the new, uh, so that's, the, you, you mentioned, what was it, Ruzger or, or whatever, the, the, the new, this is the new, the new Shaman one. So this has got, they got extra attacks, but they, they kill stuff and get their will back. So I mean, how, how did they play it? Was it, was it worth including in our Mordor armies going forward? Um, so... I actually played two eagle armies, so the actual being able to regain will wasn't sort of as effective until the last game. But I, gen- I think I regained about three will back in that last game. So it, it generally means that you are getting a lot more dice to cast spells. Um, also, him when he combines with Kurdash, because you've then got a double sort of like little mini wizards, which can both regen will. You can really like bully sort of characters and shut them down with a flame burst or a transfix or a wither. Um, and so they work really well in tandem together mm. to shut down heroes. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you are already taking a wizard, Muzga's definitely worth considering, if not like... Uh, it, once you get at high enough points, you start getting like your multiple mm. uh, heroes. But he, he's a very good second wizard. And what, what is it about this points level in particular, seven hundred points, that, that works for both both armies? You know, for, for the legendary legion for uh, Fairdred, for example, is this is this the sweet spot? Um, so I actually think the sweet spot's six fifty points, uh, but it still works fine at seven hundred. You get all of the sort of heroes available. So you have got Fairdred, Elfhelm, Grimbold, and a Rohan captain. Um, and the thing is, the biggest weakness of the list is actually Feardred, because he is the general, he has to charge, he's also your only strike in the list, and he's only two wins, one fate. Mm. Um, and once you start going higher points, you kind of, 
he becomes a lot more risky to like use because uh, there'll be more things like that can just kill him and you can't quite control it in the same way and you've already like maxed out on your tricks you can't get any more heroes and all that stuff and um, so yeah like you can stretch the army to 800 and it will become like a horde army but it Theodred is very vulnerable at that point but at 700 he's just about still like manageable with some sort of smart play if you use him like more defensively than most people probably would do um and then like the orcs kind of you get all of like similarly you get all of the bonus like i've got fury i've got an orc drum i've got master of battle with goth morg and i've still got like a second striker and so it's like you can kind of get all of the tricks both armies have 40 models which is good to above average for most armies at 700 and so yeah like the points work out well for that and you kind of get what you need um so yeah what about the what, what sort of uh, armies were you playing up against? Was it the sort of thing you expected to play against? You mentioned already Lady Alliance that perhaps wasn't here as often as you might have originally expected before the the FAQ nerfage. And what sort of stuff were you playing? So, um, well, I played two eagle armies, uh, both with like Radagast Squahir eagle sort of um, with my uh, Mordor, which I wasn't expecting to play too. Like you know, there always be one popping up at a tournament of those. Um, and then I also played uh, Riders of Fearden, which mm. is, has been and it probably will always be a very popular and very good legendary legion, um, which I played that one in the last game. Uh, so it, that was quite good practice to see like, how it would come up against, and I kind of thought about that matchup. Mm. And then Fearden's Guard, I played um, Angmar, which is quite popular and good be evil, um, which Fearden's Guard itself is very good against because you pass all your courage tests yeah, you've already got all of the bodyguard haven't you yeah and uh, you don't really have any heroes for them to shut down which make that much difference um, and then you've got fight for loads of throwing spit. basically if you can get a perfect matchup for Fidget's Guard it's probably Angmar mm. uh, and then what was my second my final game I played, oh, my final game with Phaedra's God was against Harad, which was my biggest concern as a list, because they can beat me on numbers, they can match me on fight value, and they can also outshoot me, mm. potentially. Um, so I had to play that one smart, and sort of win it by winning the objective smiles, um, which I did, thankfully, although my army was dying faster than the Harad were. Um, and then, I'm trying to think which game I've gone and forgotten now. Uh, oh, and I played, uh, yeah, it was... Isengard with Phaedra's Guard which had a Saruman and that and um, those lists where you do have Saruman like you see a lot of Isengard um, but unlike my list you can't get Saruman and all the toys without then hurting your model count and then 40 models gave me a solid like advantage in the scenario and then I can just outmaneuver but yeah so, so the, the, this is uh, kind of the same format as the the grand tournament the the Warhammer World GT which um is coming up in the next month or so. Uh, are you are you taking exactly this and and are you going to tweak it at all or is it staying pretty much in the same format? Have you learned anything about the army that you're going to change? Um, so I used both of these forces at similar-ish points whenever these points were for and I'm intending on using both of them again at the Grand Tournament. So this was kind of like, I mean obviously it's own tournament as well but it's a practice weekend as well for the uh, main GT. Uh, and like Mizga was the main one which I didn't know what it was going to be like going in because I hadn't used them at all. Um, and I think he definitely has earned his place in the list just based on that sort of last game just because of the dual casting and the will regen. So I'm expecting them to stay the same, although if they do change, uh, don't hold me to it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and uh, just just because you, you vaguely know my uh, my army list, and I, I played the Easterlings, which lost all three of their games. Uh, my Path of the Druid and won all three games. Um, do you think there's a there's a reason for that other than you know me being not a great player that like you? But you know, it, are the Easterlings themselves and just not good? Um, 
so Easterlings are are fine. I know your list is low on might, mm-hmm. and um, evil armies usually often need more might to keep up with the superior heroes that are good put out. Um, without, without going to, you also don't have the strength for that a lot of evil armies have. So while you are defense six and getting six, hit, wounded on sixes back, you're not actually wounding the good armies back as well. Whereas if you face like uh, like goblins or like a lot of evil armies, you can actually chomp through them pretty quickly because mm. you'll have better fight value do you think Eastling's not very good in good versus evil I think they're better um, if you can do evil v evil as well because they essentially work as like a pseudo good army in evil um, but their heroes aren't as reliable as those you find in a normal good list yeah, I think you're right. I've been them. I've been them after all these two losses. But and, and the pass of the Druid, and I, I think they've done pretty well. I, I think I, I thought the, the logic behind them. You know, they have a lot of bonuses against orcs, goblins, and urukai. So, you know, maybe maybe, they, maybe that's something that will uh, grace the tables of the GT. What do you think for them? Uh, yeah. So pass the Druid. In, um, it's a list which can crumble really quickly. Mm-hmm. Seven hundred points is when I. It's starting to become vi- more viable because the woes don't just die. But mm-hmm. as we said, like good v evil, they get. Plus, what they get uh, hatred or whatever it is for against orcs, goblins, urukai. So if you're ruling out all the evil armies, they're suddenly a lot better. And also their fight value bonus when they're charging from fear and um, stuff like that means that you're usually at least matching, if not beating, um, all evil armies. And so yeah, they they work better in good v evil. Um, you still need to be smart to play them actually, because as I said, if you do something wrong and you lose your horses, or did you let en- the enemy get into the woes, they will die quickly, and then it can go horribly, horribly badly. Well, I must have done something right. Well, uh, either way, Ali, um, uh, well done on this tournament, and best of luck in the uh, grand tournament. I'm sure we'll read more about it on the GBHL blog. Yeah. Thank you. So the end of the grand tournament, we uh, grandest tournament. Sorry, uh, we've uh, we've been speaking to uh, Ali King, the winner of the tournament. But of course, we always talk to the tournament organizer, and that is world champion. Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome back to the podcast. And um, so, first of all, uh, good versus evil. Uh, we've got the seven hundred points. We've got all the, the fun stuff we have in the the grand tournament. What what is it that that people should have been thinking about differently, perhaps, for this tournament? Uh, absolutely nothing. It was a shameless rip-off of the proper event. Um, we were aware that not many tickets were available for the GT. Um, for no fault of their own, COVID and, and stuff. Um, we love SBG here. We always run events and we kind of just thought, well, you know, for a lot of people, they didn't get to buy the tickets. This can either be a practice one or, or sort of be in place of. Um, and so we ran it basically the same as how they would run it. Um, and just had a lot of fun, really. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great tournament, and I love playing good versus evil. It's, it feels like that's how the the game is designed to be. Yeah, for sure. Everything's much more thematic. Um, it makes my spreadsheeting much harder, um, <laughs> but I think the game satisfaction is generally higher. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And so, in terms of the, the sort of spread of armies, I mean, I've, I've I've obviously played six games, and I've talked to a few people. But what what was that? Were the armies that turned up were they the kind of things you were expecting? Um, it was a really good mix, actually. Um, I think because it was the, the GT-esque event, but also it was a GBHL 80 points, so we got a nice blend of competitive armies and casual armies. Um, there was, but no one brought anything rubbish, so you know, to just get seal clubbed. Um, but no one brought anything particularly yeah. broken either. So what we actually got was a really nice variety of everything. Yeah. Um, like the top three um, players all had different armies there was no like no combinations or common reoccurrences i think across the board really we probably got a, 
you know, in the pie chart of all of the factions, we probably hit most of them, which is really, really good. Yeah, yeah, it was. They definitely felt like a, a really, really widespread of stuff. I mean, I, I played armies that I very rarely play at, at this tournament, and I saw armies like uh, I, there, were, there were some guys with um, fiefdoms and things like that wandering around, which don't crop up that often. And yeah, it felt, it felt like a like a good spread. And, and you said in the last round there was what seven or eight people who could have made the podium. Yeah, absolutely. Due to the nature of how good versus evil works, sometimes the the tournament points skew themselves a little bit. Um, and so what that means is in the final round, you might have um, three or four players that would, in a traditional event, be playing to win the event, but can't because of the good evil balance. Mm. Um, and so what it meant was as far down as table seven, there was at least one player on all of those tables that could at least walk away the podium. Um, so in one way, it, it makes it technically less competitive, um, but that's the risks of good versus evil events. But it also makes it way more exciting for way more tables because they're, you know, they're all in with a shout of doing something, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I asked Ali uh, King about this, um, about my armies, my Easterling force. And so I've been trying, as you know, uh, to, to make Easterlings great again. And um, I've failed miserably in this tournament. I've won three with my Paths of Jordan and lost three with the Easterlings. Um, and I know in the, in the past, not so long ago, in fact, you went to a good versus evil tournament with Easterlings and you did very well. So c- just can I pick your brains? What, what did you take to, to Sterling and, and how did you make them work other than you being a better player than me? Are you asking how does one Easter? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> essentially, I mean, I took a very experimental list to Sterling. Um, I didn't get much chance to compete last year. So I knew that, I, you know, it's not like I was trying to win the GBHL or anything. Um, but I think that acolytes are way better than people give them credit for Um, and I know that with models like that and the way that they're built the more you take the better they get and I was like okay well let's test that theory Um, so I can't remember exactly what the list was but it was something along the lines of Amda um, a captain a war priest a load of pikemen I think it was 15 acolytes with a a cataphract drummer and then a Candish king as the general to let Amda be a little bit more loosey goosey um, with Kanish King and a horse yes um, with two extra horsemen Um, and essentially when Amda is freed up to go and do what he wants to do and he's not terrified of dying um, I I really really believe that he's one of the best heroes in the game on his best day um, because he's never worse off he's just he's solid Um, and acolytes you can either put them on the front rank and go four attacks hope you don't lose and get trapped obviously that's a risky take but really put some damage output out um, or what I really like to do if you get the opportunity is engage them with the phalanx you hit them with your big like block of 30 dudes or 25 dudes however many dudes in, in their 3 up and this was at 800 points by the way yes sorry yeah 800 points and then use your um acolytes to get around the side start trapping start getting those one-on-ones because in the one-on-ones with your two attacks and fight four like you you're doing pretty well to win those fights and then suddenly uh, when you start trapping stuff when you're coming back around the you know the back end of the the phalanx and meeting in the middle they're just like it's the classic pincer army um, and then when you've got amdo and the candish king just going ham on people as well um, it's a pretty potent combination. Yeah, and, and you've got the, a bit more might in that one. You've got the captain and the king, which should bring four. Amdo, which has got three, and of course he's got the blue glory, and you've got the thing. So the, there's a little bit more, more might in there, because I've, I've been struggling with Kamul, only bringing two might, and he's not quite a good caster, so you really yeah, have to... Sure. It's, it's, it always feels like an all-or-nothing kind of thing with him. 
Yeah, so one of the main things that Easterlings struggle with is disposable might. And this is something that I talk about quite a lot with people, is that you can have an army with 12 might in, but if they're all casters and you know you're going to need to spend that might to cast the spells, then it's not disposable might. Um, so the disposable might is things like your captains that will just call marches and moves. Like Amder never wants to have to spend his might on anything other than trying to kill stuff. Um, and so when you take something like Amder and Kamul, you know Kamul's going to need his, you know Amder's going to need his, and suddenly where, you know where's that extra might coming from? You're probably taking a war priest because they're excellent, and then suddenly you've got one disposable might, and that's a problem, isn't it? And, yeah. and it's something that Easterlings really suffer with. That is exactly what I suffer with every time. It's yeah. so annoying. It, it is. It's, it's tragic because you want to do all the cool stuff and you can't, and then because you don't spend the might with the heroes because you need to save it, you then can't commit as heavy as you want to, and, and that's like the undoing of the Easterlings, basically. So, getting a captain in there, getting a king in there, getting that sort of disposable might that you need to just keep the pressure up on people. Um, like, <laughs> it's all good. That's that's the way. And I think with these two new heroes coming out, I mean, that's going to be exactly what they're for. Um, they're absolutely what the Easterling faction needs. And, you know, we, we've both been like Team Easterling for quite a while, mm. and I think that they're definitely slept on as a faction, and these two will make them far more common, so we'll be way less cool as, as players. <laughs> but it will make them way more competitive at a more accessible level. Yeah, uh, yeah I think yeah, I think that sounds that sounds great. So I'm going to probably ditch Kamal in the uh, in the bin and then hopefully the extra might will uh, will make up for it when these new new two guys. And then there's another one the Dragon Emperor at some point which we don't really know much about but it's surely going to be a big sort of god tier quote guy. A, a what do you think? A big old centerpiece character, yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll be excellent. I probably I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Um, it doesn't seem like something that I would necessarily take. So I tend to take like the smaller utility characters that you know, if they die, it's not game over. Mm. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be awesome. Um, there's definitely a world where you end up taking like Amder, the two new dudes, and um, Kamal. Like maybe then you take him because you've got loads of might everywhere. Because um, Kamal's not bad. He's just not great in Easterlings at the moment. Like, there's you know. The, the future looks bright for Easterlings. Yeah, there you go. The future looks bright. The future looks red. Right, so we're back uh, at some point uh, here to the Grandest Tournament. I can't think uh, where when the next tournament is. Give us a, give us a plug for your uh, next one here at Seven City Collectibles. So the next one we've got is the Gates of Gondolin in, I think it's like mid-April. Um, that's our 100-pointer. Unfortunately, that's sold out in, in record time. Um, we have got the Mixed Doubles event oh, coming yeah, this up. Is, this is crazy sounding. Yeah, towards the end of May. So that's uh, 399 points each um, and all faction alliances are green and that is between good and evil as well it's going to be the first event of its kind so you can have Sauron fighting alongside Aragorn so famously you can't have Sauron because it's 399 oh okay that's why you've done 399 yeah, yeah sure um, yeah slightly balancey um, but <laughs> also we do want people to like really exploit what we're trying to do and we think it'll be really fun and unique well that, that does sound intriguing thanks very much Will for chatting again thank you very much there you go, Will Champion and uh, Alistair King there, uh, so almost both regulars on the podcast, or certainly in the scene now, um, and I, I think some good tips there from Will about how to build the army, um, leaning heavily on Kamul, perhaps not. I've, I've had lots of different feedback about Kamul over the um, over the period of time that uh, I've used them. Some people uh, really think Kamul is necessary to have the killing power in the army, and it, I'm inclined to agree sometimes, but the problem is he too often... Um, squiffs his dice and that's not because I'm unlucky it's because three dice on the charge simply isn't going to get a six most of the time it's just not um probability wise it's like 30 or 40 percent I think I'm not I, I don't know the exact percentage but it's something like that so you can't rely on it it's not reliable enough and um that's that's one of the big issues and the same with the magic you can spend four will on a compel and still not be um 
guaranteed a, uh, a put to pull it off, which you kind of need for that magic to pull off some of the mag- uh, the cool moves that I want to do. You just need a bit more magic and a bit more potency. So I think as much as I, I love taking Kamal to tournaments and as much as I think the magic is really handy at times, I think Kamal may may be rested from the army. I know, I'm sorry. I might end up replacing uh, Kamal with the uh, the new hero when that uh, that hero comes out, Rutabi, the fight six um, pike block hero. So... We'll see. I mean, it may yet happen. There may be a bonus for um, Kamal in at some point in the future. I don't see it happening, but I'm a bit sad about these slings as well because I love the paint jobs uh, I've done. I'm really proud of them. I think they look great, um, but they're just... I've just struggled, haven't I? I've just struggled. You know it. You've been there with me. Let's hope the Pass of the Druid and, uh, are my new favourite army. Um, and we will return with them at some point uh, very, very soon. Uh, maybe bef- before even the next tournament, we'll have the first part of the So with that in mind, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we've got more uh, stuff on the Riddle in the Dark at the end of the podcast. As I suggested earlier, you'll hear the clip again. Um, and also, we've got more tournaments coming very soon, which I suggested also at the start of the podcast. Um, so we've got a podcast, uh, at least a tournament at the start of March, so probably second week of March that I'll be talking about that. Um, I'll release in that podcast and also slow grow will probably be coming um, towards the end of uh, February or the first part of that so uh, thanks very much for listening once more to Entmoot Boorarum <laughs>